I believe it was the great theologian Mike Tyson who stated every person has a plan until they get smacked in the face. And that's the case. If you were in a fight, there was a plan. The plan was to beat the opponent. The plan was to bring it. And then you get smacked right in the face. Jude understood that because Jude had been smacked in the face by his opponent. Jude was writing to a group of people who were in the midst of trying to wipe away the the snot, the blood, the tears from their face because they were in the middle of being hit in the face by their opponent. And as he concludes his letter, verses 23 through 25, he has a final thought or two, and in those thoughts he seeks to share with his readers and with you and me here today of how we might can land a punch or two ourselves. So if you have a copy of God's Word in front of you, whether you turned it on or turned to the letter of Jude, or you can look at the screens behind me. I'm going to read for us all 25 verses. And as I read them, I want you to think about a couple of things. One, there's a fight. Two, you're in the fight, just like those that he was writing to in the first century. This letter is for you. God has kept it for you and for me because we too are in a fight. And we too, more than likely have been hit upside the face, and how we can contend for our faith. Because that's why Jude is writing. And in the midst of this, there is some words of encouragement. So follow along as I read aloud, and we'll spend most of our time remaining in the last three verses this morning. Jude. A servant of Christ Jesus, or a servant of Jesus Christ, and a brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you Church, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, Although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that great day, of the great day. 
Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged into in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet, In like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he didn't presume to uh, to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. They are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them! For they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast as they feast with you without fear. Uh, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, He prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires, they are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you, you must remember, beloved, you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, this short letter has a message River Bend this morning. 
Father, you have given this message to us. Lord, there are individuals in this room right now that do not know you. They have never bowed the knee. They have never confessed with their mouth. They do not believe that you are the Savior of the world. They do not believe that you are Lord. They are lost. God, I pray that you would show them today your word. You would open their eyes, open their ears, that they might see and hear you, your truth of who you are. For you have given us so much to show who you are. Would you draw them to you this morning? Father, this morning there are those of us in this room that know you. Yet the things of this world, the responsibilities that are in front of us have wrapped around us and are weights on us that we are not chasing you. We are allowing this world to keep us at bay. Father, would you show us those weights and would we throw those off so that we might be wholly yours Totally yours. Father, this whole body, this church, God, may we see this passage and may we be encouraged. May we be encouraged as a body of believers to to stay in the fight, to contend for the faith, Lord. So as we see these final thoughts, these last two, God, would you draw application Would you drive them home deep? And Father, whatever is not of you, I pray that we would forget it by the time we leave this room. Because it means nothing. But would you speak individually to every man and woman, every student, and draw us close to you, I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Two final thoughts. Two closing remarks. And I want us to look at them kind of backwards in sequence. The first I want us to see in verse number 24 and 25. As we see this, that you and I are to focus on Him. If our focus is on Him, if our focus is on Christ, if our focus is on the Lord, then all of these other things will Work out. Closing remarks, if we're going to land a punch and we're going to make it stick, so to speak, then our focus must be on Him. Let me read for us those two last verses one more time. And as I read it, think about how they describe Him. How they describe God. Who He is and what He's done. Now to Him, God who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy to the only God, the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, Authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. 
men. Here is Jude's final remarks to those who are being punched in the face. Remember him. Remember him. Here's why you're being punched in the face, church. Here's why all this junk is happening to you. You are his. So therefore, remember not all the junk. That's the easy. That's easy. We can remember all the junk. How many times have you gone up to ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? Really? And they just spill all the junk. That's easy. They'll either, more than likely, give you one or two answers. They'll give you the pat answer, oh, I'm fine, everything's fine. Lie. Or the next thing that's the easiest thing to roll off their mouth is all the complaints of what's not going right. That's easy. Jude understands that. The first century Christians understand that. But Jude says to them, and he says to you and me, God is saying to you and me, hey, remember me. Focus on me. So what are some of the things that Jude reminds those in the midst of the fight to focus on about him? Think about this. You're in the middle of a fight. Jude sees that. He was writing to encourage you, and he says this about God. Hey, church, remember that he is able, he is able to keep you from stumbling. If you're in the middle of a fight, what are you worried about? You're worried about some footing. You're worried about this guy who is right there in your grill and he is bringing everything right in your face and you're worried about your footing. And he says to you, hey, God is able to keep you from stumbling. I read that this week. I read that multiple times. I mean, I read that over and over again and I was just thinking, how can I get this point across? Because, to be honest, if we're honest, more than likely, we have so many other responsibilities that our focus has not been on Him. We have so many other responsibilities and thoughts about what has to happen between 8 and 5 or 9 and 6 or 10 and 2 or whatever the time frame is that... We're not worried about stumbling spiritually. We're worried and our focus is on the things that are happening at the job site or the things that are happening on the calendar, the things that are happening in our bank account. And our focus isn't where it's supposed to be. Jude tells you and he tells me that we are in the midst of a spiritual war and we are to be contending for the faith. Back up in verse 3 and 4, he starts the whole thing out. I wanted to write to you about a, a fluffy little devotional, but I have to. I have to. It is necessary that I write to you concerning you and me contending for our faith. And our focus, church, this morning, has to be on Him. has to be on Him, His ability to keep you from stumbling. In and of yourself, you will fail. If it was up to you, sir, you would fail. Ma'am, you would fail. I look in the mirror and I say, if it's up to me, I would fail. But it's not up to me. And it's not up to you. 
He is the one who is keeping you and keeping me from stumbling. Then he states this, not just that he keeps us from stumbling, but that he is the one who is able to present us blameless. Blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. He doesn't do it sheepishly. He doesn't do it kind of around the back. No, he comes up full right into his face and says, Hey, I am presenting you, Brian Tillman, blameless. Blameless. Every time I hear that word, I think of one man. It's probably the first book of the Bible that was ever written. And it was about a man by the name of Job. Job lived in the days between Noah and Abraham. That's when he lived. Before Abraham was called out of Ur to go and be in Canaan, there was this man named Job. And, and God blessed Job. There was no person like him. God says this about Job. There is nobody like him. And Satan says to God one day, well, the reason that Job loves you, the reason that Job serves you so well is because of all the things that you have given him. And God said to Job, hey, excuse me, to Satan, hey, take whatever you want from him. And within a day, within a 24-hour period, every servant that Job had outside of four died. Or were taken into captivity. Seven kids died. Thousands of animals. Acres of land destroyed. Why? Not because of anything that Job did. But because God said to Satan, Hey, have you thought about my man Job? There is nobody like him. He is blameless. What a word. And he says that same word about you and me. He says that I will present you blameless. What does it mean to be blameless? It doesn't mean that they were without sin. It doesn't mean that Job never sinned. No, but when he did sin, he made it right. That is the word, blameless. When you sin, do you just kind of sweep it underneath the rug and just forget about it? Or do you go and say, um, hey, just want to let you know, those words I said to you, yeah, they were wrong. I, I sinned. Those, that action that, that took place, what I did to you last week, that was flat wrong. That's called sin. God calls it sin. I, I, I sinned against you. He is able to keep you from stumbling. He is the one who is going to present you blameless. Blameless where? Where is he going to present you? He's going to present you before the presence of his glory. That word glory is this. It is a weight, an honor, a weightiness, heavy substance. And he's going to do it with great joy. Then he describes God as the only God. He describes Jesus as our Savior. Not just my Savior, but our collective Savior. Through Jesus Christ, our collective Lord. 
be glory, majesty, dominion forever and ever. Amen. There was an afternoon. Where the servant of the Lord Moses was in God's presence. And God told Moses after he had come down off of the mountain and cut two stones with the Ten Commandments on them. And he came down off the mountain and saw the sin in the camp that he threw the tablets down. And God called him back up on top of the mountain, talked with him a while. And in chapter 34 of the book of Exodus... Moses asked God to describe himself. In verse 5, 6, and 7, God does just that. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Get the picture quickly. Nobody's going to talk about God Right? So God talks about himself. Nobody's going to bring him justice. Nobody's going to bring his due diligence. And so God says, all right, if nobody else is going to do it, if everybody else is just sinning and everything's all right, here's what's going to happen. I'll talk about myself. So pay attention. Pay attention, Moses. Pay attention, River Bend, sir, ma'am. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God of a merciful God and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty? Visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Jude calls you and he calls me to focus on God. To focus on his ability to keep you from stumbling. To focus on his ability to present you blameless. That he is the only God. He is our Savior and our Lord. You're like, Brian, that's all great. Conceptually, it is fine. But what happens when I get to work Tuesday afternoon? And everybody is sitting around the conference room and They're talking about the one person who's not at the meeting. How is he going to keep me from stumbling and joining in the conversation? Have you ever joined in that conversation? That's not the, the hard answer. The hard answer is this. Have you ever been in the midst of somebody who has been doing that and tried to not join in the conversation? I mean, it is right there. You've got some juicy information that maybe you shouldn't know, but that you do know, and everybody is talking. How hard is it for you to just keep your mouth shut, sir? Ma'am? Who's the one that's going to help keep you from stumbling? How is he going to do it? I thought of uh, one verse. It's a verse that used to be on 
our walls. And I think that it's on the screen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. How is that going to help me in this? Well, if I'm going to share this juicy stuff, it's probably going to demote that person. It's probably going to try to elevate me, and I'm probably going to complain about something that they have done. Something that I wish would have been done better. I'm going to dispute all these things. And here is a verse that Paul wrote to a church, and he wrote for you and me in our lives today. How else is he going to keep you from stumbling? Well, for the past two weeks, I haven't gotten past these three verses myself. In Hebrews chapter 12, it states this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside. Here's, here's the phrase that gets me, and I can't get past it. Lay aside every weight and sin. Everything that's in your life right now, sir, Everything that's in my life isn't bad. Now there's some, he says, lay aside every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, the starter, perfecter, and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Go back to the first one, first verse, and I can't get past that. I, how am I not going to stumble? He is helping me. He is keeping me, not helping. He is keeping me from stumbling. How is that happening? He tells me to lay aside every weight. And sin. And maybe he's telling you to lay aside some things. And you're like, I, I don't think that I can. He's keeping you from stumbling, sir, by saying lay those things aside. Just, just push them away, Brian. You don't need that. Oh, I want that. But you don't need that. If you want me, like we sang every song this morning... Every song we sang this morning was about giving all of ourselves, all of our praise, all to Him. Which leads us to some action. So go back up one verse into verse 23. Let me start in verse 22. If our focus is going to be on Him and we want to, we need to, we are going to land some punches, these final remarks. Have mercy on those who doubt. Every person that says that he or she is a follower of Christ is not as far along the journey as you and I might think we are. Every person that, that says they are a Christian that they are a follower of Christ may not be as far down that road as you and I find ourselves. And when that is the case, and sir, ma'am, that is the case often, he says for you and for me 
to show mercy on those. I don't, I don't know about you. That's not one of my great qualities. I got some good qualities. Just ask me, I'll tell you sometime, but that is not one of them. I have been described as one who is full of mercy because I haven't shown it to anybody. And that may be the case. But he says to me, and he says to you, have mercy on those who doubt. Don't don't squash them. Don't beat them over the head with the 12 Bible verses that you know that they don't know. No, have mercy on those who doubt. And here's where I want us to put our final thoughts on Jude this morning. Save others. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. You're like, that, that's a weird phrase. Maybe it is to you. But understand this, and Jude was writing to a group of men and women that he snatched out of the fire. He was writing to a group of men and women who understood the world that they were living in before they knew Christ and the world now that they found themselves in is in stark contrast to where they were and where they are now and where they will be forever and ever and ever. And because of that, he says to them and he says to you and me, hey, remember that and snatch some folks out of the fire. Two thousand and seventeen, DeSoto County, Mississippian, Tate County, Mississippian. More than likely, you and I found ourselves at our grandmother's house years ago. We found ourselves in our mom and dad's home years ago, where If not every time doors like that to a room like this were open, you found yourself in it, they, quite often you found yourself walking into a room, singing songs weekly, listening to sermons, because that's the culture that you and I grew up in more than likely. Some of us, no. But many of us, yes. And with that familiarity, and with that every week, every month practice, maybe the abrupt, stark change, difference has lost its luster. But there are people across your street. There are people across the cubicle. There are people across the office. There are people... Possibly across the room in your house. That find themselves not looking toward fire, but in the midst of fire. Paul wrote it this way. They are 
perishing. John picked it up and he stated in the book of Revelation chapter 1 that they are perishing even now. They are perishing. Those that are not in Christ are opposed to Christ. Those that are not in Christ have no hope. In your marching orders, River Bend, this week, why don't you snatch some out of the fire? Hey, Brian, I don't know how to do it. Very easy. Very easy. It's 11.07, Sunday morning. On the back of a bulletin that hopefully you received as you walked in are some blank lines. Maybe you filled them in with some thoughts this morning, but maybe there's some blank space over here or even the lines are somewhere on this page. And I just want us to think for just a moment. Think about co-workers and think about family members and think about friends and neighbors, those that you come across on a weekly basis. And just think, is there somebody that I know is not a believer? And I want you to just write their first name down. You're going to keep this. I'm not taking it up. It's, it's yours. But the first step is to recognize, all right, yep, this is where they are. I, I believe they're far from God. I'm not their judge. They're not going to stand in front of me, but I believe they're far from God. And write two or three names down. And after you write two or three names down, Say, okay, this week I'm going to pray for those two or three names. And do it. We are notorious. Hey, yeah, I'll pray for you. Yep, got a doctor's appointment. I'll pray for you. Pray for him. And as you pray, say this. All right, Lord, I know that I'm going to come across them this week. And Lord, you have put them on my heart to, to tell them about you. God, you are one who is able to save. Lord, this week, would you, uh, would you bring him across my path? Would you bring her across my path? Would you give me words to say when you do that? And if that's the case, you've done your job. You don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. God saves everybody that is saved. He works. He changes hearts. But you and I must have our focus in the right spot so that we can see them and know that, yep, they're in the midst of a fire and they need a Savior. Heavenly Father, in this room just a moment ago, there were a number of people. There were a number of men, a number of women, a number of, of students whose names were thought about, if not written down. There were a number of, of men and women, boys and girls, Lord, who are far from you, that we know. God, we ask that you would snatch them out of the fire. God, we ask this week that as we come in contact with them, Father, you would... As Paul spoke to Timothy, 
God, as you spoke to Timothy, as you spoke to Joshua, to be bold and courageous. God, would we do the same? Would you give us boldness in our faith? That we would contend for the faith. That we would stand up in the midst of the fight. Lord, it's so often that we hear we hear arguments from whatever direction that are opposed to You. And God, it's so easy for us in those moments to just remain silent. Father, might we brag on You this week? Church, let me brag on somebody who's not a member. Every eye up here, and let me tell you a quick story. I was going to save it for announcements, but, but here's the moment. A week and a half ago, I got a phone call from an assistant principal. I don't normally get a phone calls from assistant principals, especially in the middle of the summer, but uh, I got a phone call from an assistant principal um, in our county that said, hey, we would love for you as a pastor to come and pray over every room in our building. Next Friday at 2 o'clock, we're going to open the building. Every room is available. We're asking pastors and staff and, and anybody that wants to come, just to come and walk the halls and pray. And so when I showed up Friday afternoon, there were about 40 or 50 of us and um, we just spent 30 minutes walking down an orange hall and a blue hall and a red hall and every other color hall in this building. Just praying. And then we all came out to the middle and, and the principal, she stood up and she said, thank you. And she said, you know what, there's, there's just a couple of things. There, there's, there's where you work and then there's your life's work. Those were her words. She said, I believe this is my life's work to pour into these kids. And I want to pour in truth. She's like, I probably wasn't supposed to say that, but I don't care. And thank you all for praying. You know what? Tuesday morning we're going to take them some breakfast, all the teachers, and we, we hope and pray that kindergartners through fifth grade in this school will not just learn about reading and writing and arithmetic and I have all these friends, but through assistant principals and principals and teachers, they'll see him. And that's what we pray for. And there was a great opportunity that was taken. They said, hey, I, I want you all to come in and I want you all to pray. And let's impact these kids. Father, that's what we want this week for us. That we would take those opportunities, Father, to bring glory to your name. For you are worthy of that. God, you keep us from stumbling. Thank you. Thank you that, that you are holding us, not just us holding you. But you keep us, me, from stumbling. You are presenting us blameless with great joy to your Son, our groom forever and ever. Father, for those of us in the room, Lord, as we come to a time of invitation, we come to a time of response, Father, those of us in the room who are yours, 
who have bowed the knee and, and know You as Savior and Lord. God, would we tell who You are, tell what You've done in and through us for Your glory. This week, and might we see men and women, friends, boys and girls, family members snatched from the fire because You are mighty to save. And may we give You praise every moment of the way. Whatever God is asking for you to do today, sir, in response, would you do it? Would you do it? Maybe it's to come down front and pray here at the altar. You come. Maybe it's to talk with me. You come. If you don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, ma'am, would you come? Let me introduce you to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Whatever He is asking, would you obey as we stand and as we sing? You join with us.